0: This episode of Beyond is brought to you by ForHims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. PlayStation.
1: beyond 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 yes beyond beyond that was lovely thank that you that was so really good we tied yeah. and then we lapsed but then we got back yeah it always good. works out in the end casey Thanks helped to it was beyond. it was a good time i
2: yeah. didn't really know what i was doing so you just say that it's all about teamwork help. yeah
1: say the name of the show until people get so mad that they stop listening to it
2: yes perfect and well, hopefully they, you
3: never will yeah because my name is jonathan dormish i am your host for beyond episode 544 And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. I am joined by Casey DeFritis. Hello. And Brian Altano.
1: Thanks for having me.
3: Thank you guys for being on. Uh, There is a lot to talk about because the pre-E3 onslaught of news never stops. Uh, New previews, new news we're going to be talking about this week. Call of Duty Black Ops 4. They finally revealed it. We finally found out a lot more about it. Also, Battlefield 5 or V, depending on how you want to say it, (laughs) news is on the way. Uh, Also, Kingdom Hearts 3 is a real game that I have played. It is finally happening. I am so excited and you can hear more about that soon later on. He really
2: al- is excited.
1: You're, he's wearing the pin. Did I'm you
3: wearing get the pin the at the pin. event. Yeah, we got. Uh, no, this is from the Kingdom Hearts 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix Collection HD
2: Collector's Edition.
3: Yes, sort of. Yeah, it, it's a great pin. I'm sorry, Brian. We're going to say a lot of titles you don't <laughs> know,
1: yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I love ridiculous video game titles. That's what I'm here for.
3: <laughs> Wonderful. We're also going to be talking about many other Ubisoft titles. Speaking of some funny titles, and we're also going to be talking about uh, some sad news with the Vita. As things take a downward turn for it, but it still lives. The Vita still has Vita. But first, <laughs> Call of Duty. Call Black of Duty. 4. Yeah. It's real.
2: It is a thing. They're getting
3: rid of the that uh campaign Say goodbye to that. Yeah. And that is Somewhat.
2: Weird. So yes. what do you mean by somewhat? So
3: they, they're getting rid of the traditional campaign as we know it, where you play mm-hmm. through a story that is very orchestrated and much like an action blockbuster. Mm-hmm. But then they're moving toward a series of solo missions or missions that can be played solo, focusing on all the different specialists who are the multiplayer characters you can play as. And each of them will be set between Black Ops 2 and 3 and give you a little bit of behind-the-scenes knowledge of who these characters are and also how to play them better. Things like that. So there'll be these okay. sort of like one-off capsule episodes but they're not doing a full campaign anymore.
1: Anyway. Okay. okay yeah yeah
2: and it sounds like that'll make you a better player and multiplayer which is what most people play call of duty for
1: i guess so yeah i mean i i'll put it this way this sucks can i just flat out say that <laughs> yeah. sure this sucks yeah. yeah like i mean this is the first of all um call of duty whether or not you're into that franchise um has sort of a long-standing connection with having a strong single-player campaign, mm-hmm. bringing in AAA talent um, and delivering something that's somewhere between three and six hours, and it's cinematic and has great set pieces and over the top. The reality is is not a lot of people play those things. So many um, people
3: don't even touch it.
1: Nobody. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, as someone who really enjoyed those things for the most part, uh, selfishly, like, I also kind of stopped playing them. So I see where this is coming from. Sure. I I want that to persist. I want those to keep going because this is the best selling video game of the year, year after year. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens this year, but it was last year, right? This is one of the best selling video game franchises ever made. And so when this franchise goes, we don't want a single player anymore. It makes me worried that others will follow yeah, and that we will lose, we'll lose a part of that. Um, Then again, this is a PlayStation show. God of War is the best selling playstation first party game in playstation history Mm -hmm. or fastest selling so there's room for that you look at the sales of games like tomb raider and uncharted breath of the wild horizon these are single player games they sell really well there will always be a market for those things i believe that said i don't like seeing it removed from a package like this Mm -hmm. so yeah it sucks it sucks
2: yeah. I,
3: I very much get the, at least on a monetary sense of putting the time and investment into this campaign that may be great, it may be this awesome, amazing summer blockbuster-esque thing, but if it's not being played by even the majority of the audience, probably 50 to 60% may not even see the thing all the way through, why spend all that money? Why spend all this time? And I get that. Like, the reality of it mm-hmm. is, especially when people put so much time into the multiplayer.
2: Can they tell if if Players yeah. have, yeah, yeah. absolutely okay. yeah,
1: yeah. There's um, there's ways to track via trophies, via achievements, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm sure they see a certain as well.
3: amount of data that we don't see obviously behind the scenes, yeah, so they course. can probably tell if someone's never even hit the new game on mm-hmm. a campaign.
1: It was one of our biggest stories a couple of years ago. Was David Cage did a speech at GDC, and David Cage makes single player games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything Quantic Dreams has ever put out. And he talked about Heavy Rain and the completion stats for that and how it had some of the higher completion stats than, you know, most single-player games do. Uh, I've long ar- argued with Call of Duty because I feel like it's got this sort of identity crisis in that they do put a single-player game in there, um, and it's really well-made for the for the most part. And I know there's a lot of people, like, that's it's become... Over like probably the last five ten years, Call of Duty's become this kind of industry whipping boy, you know, this black sheep, where people are like, um, "Oh, it's the same thing every year, and it sucks, and it's this, and it's that." And it's I don't necessarily feel that way. Mm-hmm. They also there's accusations that IGN overrates it every
3: year. We give it a ten every year, which which we've fact, literally, literally yeah. never done. Yeah, once no. um,
1: to point that out. Yeah. Um, and so, but then at the end of the day, it's like it's the best selling franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it innovates. A lot in its multiplayer department. Um, we've seen it go from like the quote unquote boots in the ground to running on the on the walls and ceilings yeah. to like full on you know time shifting Titanfall stuff to like back to the basics, which, yeah. which which what we saw last year and the year before.
3: And it seems like they're trying to go for a bit of a balance of there is higher tech in this, but is also yeah wants to keep it a little more grounded, especially I think after World War II was well received, which
1: which I'm okay with. I just wish that we saw Activision break off um the team working on the single player campaigns for these games and possibly sell a separate sku
3: as like a $20 yeah campaign.
1: sell just sell a $20 like story driven 7 hour campaign that you can play through a couple times and unlock cool stuff and give me a way to still appreciate like a, a big robust single player game that's set in first person i think mm-hmm. a lot of first person games would single player campaigns kind of get like ignored? I mean, yeah. all the games we just listed are all third person, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, um,
3: it's hard to say in the last few years. I mean, a thing like we praised a lot of Titanfall two and it's yeah. single player campaign, but you don't. It obviously didn't do as well in the sales as yep. compared to Battlefield and mm-hmm. Call of Duty.
1: You've got stuff like Doom. You've got Wolfenstein. Yeah, Bioshock obviously is long dormant in, in this in this in this day and age. But I, I I think that like it's a good. I mean, I'm I'm a guy that grew up playing like you know stuff like GoldenEye and Perfect mm-hmm. Dark which you know didn't have the greatest stories, but I appreciated their single-player campaigns. Yeah. So I don't want to see that go away forever. And when like the number one first-person shooter developer in the world s- kind of turns their back on single-player, I start to worry for that genre, and I start to worry for that medium in, g- in general.
2: I mean, maybe those short stories that focus on the individual characters will still be as powerful and as good just in smaller mm-hmm. packages.
3: Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I'm curious to see how um, those play out if they're basically just sort of m- scripted multiplayer scenarios that mm-hmm. you just walk through or if they are a little bit bigger and more engrossing. I played mm-hmm. a lot
1: of 2015's Battlefront, which did not have a single player campaign. The yeah. second one did, but the first one had a lot of like mission based mm-hmm. uh, sections where it would be like you on your own and you'd have to fight through a couple waves of of stormtroopers and then an ATST would show up and you'd have to take it down. And that was the story.
3: I remember playing. And
1: to me story. it was like, yeah, it didn't really have a plot. Mm-hmm. It showed you a little cutscene at the beginning of a guy being like, we got to kill that thing. And you'd be like, oh sure, I'll do it. Yeah. But to me it was like, I love star Wars so much that the story was I'm a rebel soldier and I'm taking down the empire. And that was enough for me. You so, knew
3: what mattered around that. Story, yeah. Yeah. Give so, that weight.
1: Yeah, yeah. And call of duty doesn't necessarily have the same sort of like, history or context yeah um of course the bl- iconic characters you the know?
3: black ops franchise has been i think sort of it's become the stalwart after Mo- it yeah. was modern warfare and now it's sort of black ops is the one that people look forward to like black mm-hmm. ops itself is a more familiar term to a lot of people than just call of duty mm-hmm. it's become such the biggest one and obviously they're trying to capitalize on a lot with it being black ops because they are introducing uh without solo they are bringing in more multiplayer with mm-hmm. blackout their battle royale mode yeah so surprise, much yeah. like all of the uh, reports before it was officially revealed, Blackout is, there is a, battle? a thing. Yep, it is going to be apparently 1,500 times the size of a normal Call of Duty map.
1: God damn. Which
3: I just That number is just Do unfathomable you, how, to me. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. To
2: how was- long did it take... To run from one side of the map to the other in a normal multiplayer map. I know, seventeen hours. That, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> I don't
1: know how long it takes. Um, yeah, this looks awesome, and so that's yeah. the thing. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm gonna on, on the same, uh-huh. the same hour, I'm gonna yeah. say like this thing over here sucks. This thing over here is great because my gut, my gut reaction when I found out, the, heard the rumors about the single player going away, was how are you going to maintain the value of this package when mm-hmm. you're removing a significant portion of it? And this is how, Mm -hmm. you know, you throw in a brand new mode that uh, to me is the kind of thing that Fortnite is off doing its own thing. It's got its own aesthetics. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much untouchable right now. Um, PUBG, I think, on the other hand, is one that sort of people are waiting for the next move from those guys. Uh, And I think this uh, stands to be a strong competitor with a game like that.
3: Yeah, we're seeing a lot. So they said it will be... Uh, available at launch, it will have sort of locations and inspiration from the Black o- Black Ops series so far uh, on that map. There will also be land, air, and sea vehicles. So yep. it will be pretty robust. And mm-hmm. I love the idea of seeing sort of Call of Duty mechanics and their refinement in yeah. a Battle Royale scenario. Like, I think that could be really great. I am also very curious to see one, what the battle Royale scene looks like mm-hmm. in the fall uh, yeah. because it is such a new craze that who knows what it looks like, let alone a month from now, but five months from now, who yeah. knows what that's like and what the big players are anymore. Obviously Fortnite has sort of continued to grow. As you were saying, PUBG is a little quieter at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, there's obviously a lot of people trying to push it on the Battle Royale crowd. I mean,
1: literally, you guys know Rec Room, right? They're yes. on PSVR, yeah. they're they're free-to-play, um, or just straight-up free, actually. Mm-hmm. There's no microtransactions in it. They just this morning announced that they're doing... Rec like, Royale? Rec Royale. Yeah. And so what? everyone's kind of chasing this thing, and yeah. I guess they can afford to, um, but Cliff Wozinski's game with Lawbreakers?
3: Uh Lawbreakers and then and, there was Radical Heights. And Radical, Radical Heights Heist, yeah. is the
1: Radical yeah. Heights was the battle Royale Just yes. shut down. Yeah. Um it's I think it's being run by like a skeleton crew right now. Mm-hmm. Um the team dissolved. Klip basically rage quit so hard that he might have <laughs> jumped out of games forever. Yeah. I mean we're already seeing casualties of chasing trends in this industry. Yeah. yeah. And it happens a lot and this is this is starting to happen now. Yeah. That said, Call of Duty they have a couple People's, dollars in their pocket. Yeah.
2: yeah. And it, people generally play Call of Duty for multiplayer, yep. Yeah. but the amount of concurrent players for something like PUBG and Fortnite like blows the concurrent players of the past Call of Duties like out of the water. Right. Right. Casey like, has quickly. some facts. Casey. I've got some let us know those really? facts. Yeah. Yes. So, um I was interested. So, the most popular um battle royale on PC are Fortnite and PUBG, and I think the highest concurrent number of concurrent... Like, at the same time, playing PUBG is 3.6 million. Man. At the same time, people playing PUBG. Yeah. Whereas the last Call of Duty, the most people playing Call of Duty at the same time on PC was, let's see, 76,000. And of course, there are a lot of console players as well, but that's also compared to just the PC players for PUBG as well. And that's such a huge difference. Jeez. Yeah. So, like, is Call of Duty going to be able to maintain fast waiting times to get into games with so many fewer players. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering because Jonathan, you said that PUBG is not free on the PC anymore.
3: No, so PUBG is thirty dollars now that it's gone into a mm-hmm. past 1.0 and yeah. Yeah. Fortnite is free to play for the yeah. Royale. So you can just jump into that on mm-hmm. it, on consoles and PC. Mm-hmm. That was
1: my issue with PUBG when I put it on Xbox. I was like this I I understand what they're doing here with their business model, but it felt like it needed to go back in the oven for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, this was a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, but I think with the Call of Duty scenario, it's interesting because this is not this mode is not being designed, or at least I don't believe it is, designed to service their current player base. Mm-hmm. This is a mode specifically reaching out into that blue ocean of people who have not played a Call of Duty or have, or lapsed Call of Duty players, never even gone near it. Um, it's weird though because Fortnite has the accessibility. People feel comfortable letting their children play it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty still has that like that stigma. Oh my yeah. kids should you know, touch this. Yeah. It's
3: an, a warfare That's,
1: game. It's up there with like GTA with yeah. like you have to put a fake mustache on to go into games <laughs> to buy it. So um, I'm interested to see where that goes because I think they're going, it's the reason Fortnite's going so well right now is the aesthetic is cartoony and I think mm-hmm. parents can look over their shoulders and be like, oh my kid's just like just hanging out and playing yeah. this game. Yeah, he's
3: you're playing a goofy game. He or around. she is just building. Yeah. They're having just a fun time Shopping with Chopping down some trees. Yeah, and there's so much apples. about that game that also really ties into, I think people play mostly in squads and with yep. their friends mm-hmm. and everything. And that's, you obviously, people play Call of Duty together with their friends, but yeah. it's a much different sort of focus when you're mm-hmm. playing Call of Duty. So I'm curious if they're going to be able, I think Brian, you're right. If they're going to pull people away from Fortnite, to mm-hmm. me, that's the biggest question of like call of duty will still sell. I don't know if it'll be up from last year or down from last year, but it will still sell very yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I guess it'd be a little up just cause black ops being so big, but will it be able to pull people away from Fortnite, which has only continued to really grow. Like it's mm-hmm. had over 40 million players and it seems to keep rising. And then you have Thanos in the game. Yeah. Like I can't conceive of Thanos being a partnership in call of duty. Yeah. In the same way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you can play Fortnite on PS4, yeah. uh, but you can't play PUBG. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. if someone's looking for, I don't know... A, a kind PUBG
2: of- replacement on the PS4, I think yeah. Call of Duty. Yeah. And it, I think it has the potential to be a really great battle royale. I mean, it's going to have features that other games don't have. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's not going to have building, which is, what is so such integral to Fortnite gameplay. Yep. Yep. So I, I would compare it to be more similar to PUBG yeah. than to Fortnite. Absolutely. Because yeah. of graphics and of the capability. Like PUBG, you mm-hmm. have vehicles, and you don't have vehicles in Fortnite. But... you
1: also have you have the ps4 player and player install basically dwarfs that of xbox one we don't know official numbers because they've Mm -hmm. never told us yeah um but we know how many ps4s are out there and it's a ton yeah and you can put a cat meow right there (laughs) um but that's a whole that's a whole new audience of people that are probably looking for something or maybe Mm -hmm. who haven't played a, a call of duty in a while that's the big question like is this going to make is this going to get people to buy a Call of Duty game for the first time? Who haven't? Who haven't? Yeah. Or who haven't bought one in a long time? Like yeah. people like me who are like, I respect the hell out of Call of Duty multiplayer. I don't mess with it myself because sure. it's like, it feels like, it feels like it's like a, a movie onto like the seventh sequel mm-hmm. right now that I'm not caught up on. Yeah, you know, it's like when people wa- go in to watch like the Last Jedi and it's their first Star Wars movie and they're like, who's who's the wizard? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I'm. Like, the trains left the station with Call of Duty for me. Yeah. Um,
3: well, and that's why I'm curious, because there are also reports that Battlefield V or 5 will have a Battle Royale mode. We'll, right. we'll find out more pretty soon, because there is a Battlefield Five reveal event on May 23rd. So this week at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. You can watch that on IGN.com.
1: Why even uh, Why even go to E3? Yeah. It's <laughs> like, all, what's you, the point?
3: You can all just watch it from home yeah. in our pajamas. That'd be way easier of a mm-hmm. show. But yeah, so that supposedly has a battle royale mode as well reports are saying there are also reports saying it will be keeping its single player mode uh there's been some light teases of it there was a video released earlier today today is monday so after uh, before the show's gone up you'll have seen sort of somewhat of a tease that it's world war ii which is what a lot of people have been presuming is where it will be set um so following battlefield one's world war one setting so that'll be yet another battlefield battle royale contender and I yes. don't know what that's going to do for the fall. It's going to be a really interesting fall to see all these games competing in a smaller yeah. battle royale in the sales. It's store. just
1: really <laughs> weird because these are two games Sorry. that have, have like <laughs> historically competed. Yeah. And now they kind of both pulled back and rebooted a little bit. Yeah. They both, you know, did that thing where they're we're going to our roots or we're going to places you've never seen before. All that kind of those those buzzwords that PR speak. <laughs> And now they're both like, we're back, and we both have the same new thing, but it's kind of different from each other. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I curious. they had to include a Battle Royale to even think, to start to compete with the Fortnite and yeah. PUBG. And I guess that's what they're doing. Yeah, so. and I mean,
3: we'll see more of it and how its Battle Royale mode compares, I assume, in the next couple months. Mm-hmm. If, it, in fact, it is true, I assume it's true. Uh, Do you think this is going to be, are we going to be like, just exhausted from saying Battle
1: Royale, Battle Royale by yes. the end of E3. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you really think so? Yeah. It's gonna I, be like the big thing this year?
2: I am surprised by how quickly people have jumped on this. I mm-hmm. mean, it's kind of been around since so the first time I heard about Battle Royale was with Daisy, which was an Arma 2 mod on Steam. And that just kind of that spawned PUBG. Yeah. And PUBG became astronomically more popular than the original mod, which is is now it's a standalone game in Daisy as well. And H1Z1, there's a ton of them. And I'm surprised (laughs) a little bit. I mean it's a really fun game mode, but at the end of the day, like the concept is the same but i guess you can say the same thing about a whole bunch of different genres yeah
3: i'm just curious how much the market can support like how many battle royale games can the market actually keep thriving because Mm -hmm. battlefield and call of duty will sell and probably their multiplayer will still be very popular Mm -hmm. uh call of duty still has zombies which is always big so it'll still have all those things but i wonder if it's battle royale mode will be well played or if it will sort of taper off after a month right and this is not
1: like this is not the kind of thing where it's like uh if a fighting game doesn't have a big community, it's okay because you only need two people. Yeah, sure. Like each yeah. one of these games needs like a hundred dudes or, yeah. or girls or everybody children, men, <laughs> everyone, <laughs> pets. Throw anything you can at it. Um, and you named a bunch of games that are you know really kind of prominent on PC. Yeah, and I think on consoles, people are just starting to get a taste of it.
2: You're right. There, so, we don't really have any that are available on all, all across all consoles right. except for Fortnite. Right, I think. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not
3: sure if there's any that's that widely available. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it is especially not that widely played.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, but it will be a very curious fall to see, and especially at E3 two once we actually see both these games being played. I know. The full extent of those modes. I'm very curious. It is a packed E3.
0: We interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from HIMS, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not-so-fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost, so why not do something about it? 4HIMS.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily with with HIMS, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other, possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil, pills, or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhyms.com slash beyond. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhymns.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show.
3: Another game that's gonna be at E three though, that I've already seen is Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> Here it is. Oh man. Get ready for two hours about King- No, I promise it won't be long. Uh, Kingdom Hearts three is real. There, the, if you're watching the video show, I met Mickey himself, King Mickey. He was very mm-hmm. nice, uh, very friendly, uh, very Jonathan, big I don't, Yeah, I
1: don't, don't want to put you on blast here. Sure. but I want to I peel back the layers just a smidge. Of course. You, a, have been uh, a hardcore IGN fan for many many years. Indeed. Yes. And B, you've been a hardcore Kingdom Hearts fan for many many years. Yeah. And this game has been in development for probably longer than both of those things combined. Probably,
3: yeah. What was, like, was this, is this surreal? It was, it's the weirdest moment I've had in my professional career, regardless. Like, it was, I sat at the system playing the game, and it's on the screen, like, the, the startup screen. And for a second, I had this thought of, like am I just going to wake up right now? Is this, go- <laughs> is, is this not going to be real? Or is it just going to go to black and there's going to be a problem with the demo and they have to cancel this event? Like, how oh, will no. it prevent me from actually playing Kingdom Hearts 3? Because like you were saying, like I've been fo- Kingdom Hearts has been one of like the f- stalwarts of my love in gaming. Right. Since, and so is IGN. So to be here at IGN previewing Kingdom Hearts was this very weird full circle sort of thing for me. And it was thankfully... Very fun. Mm-hmm. Good. As a fan of it, uh, of the franchise, I felt like it was melding a lot of things that work well in the franchise because there have been so many sh- uh, spinoffs and offshoots that had experiments that didn't really work out as well as some of the other uh, gameplay mechanics, but it feels like they're taking what did from each of those games and putting it together and kind of pushing away some of the stuff that may have not
2: worked. Is there mm. any card collecting? Like, not, chain of Memory.
3: I wish. I love cha- chain <laughs> of memories. Is like somewhat contentious, apparently, about whether or not people love.
2: I love that game. I love I really that liked game too. it a yeah, lot.
3: It was the GBA uh, game <laughs> spinoff between one and two, which was sort of instrumental to understanding two at the time. Mm-hmm. So you know that's fun. Those two games. You are all collect cards
2: and like make a deck. And it was a deck building game. Yeah. Yeah, It was a deck building battle As
1: as they did on the GBA.
2: Yes. Every (laughs) game. That was
1: a a running theme on that platform.
3: It either became a top-down game or a deck building game. That's how the GBA worked.
2: I like deck building games, so.
3: Yeah. So it worked out. But, uh. So, I played a small section which was on Mount Olympus, which is from the confirmed Hercules world, as well as a much larger section of Toy Box, which is the Toy Story world, Mm -hmm. uh, which sort of showed the scale of the game. And really, it was a wide open space that I did not expect to, one, have as much fun exploring, and two, to actually be that much fun to explore because they have had bigger sections in certain games, but they've been sort of wide open and not had much to explore. This game had, at least in the demo, had treasures hidden all the way at the top of this like five story toy store. stuff hidden in nooks and crannies that you can completely miss if you just followed the story. Oh, wow. Um, so that, that was very happy to see and knowing yeah. that it was sort of like a vertical slice version of it. And they were very much limiting the items that I saw and sort of the customization and all those things. There's probably more in that world that will be in the full game that I didn't get to see. I would assume. Wow. Um, and then the Olympus battle was just a very short sliver of, uh, you're attacking the rock Titan uh, from Hercules. You run up essentially the side of a mountain uh, and you fight its feet at first <laughs> because that is all you can hit when you're that small compared yeah. to this giant Titan. And then you, it sort of initiates the attraction flow system, which is one of the big new things in the Kingdom Hearts gameplay, which is uh, theme park rides from Disneyland are turned into attacks in this game. So on this one, it's Big Thunder Railroad. That's right. I saw that, and it looks
2: so pretty. So
3: they've been showing this off for years in the game. If you're watching the video show, we're showing it off right now. It is this really cool approximation of the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and you're zooming around the Rock Titan, and occasionally it will slow down. You'll have to uh, narrow your focus at one of its arms or one of its heads to knock its health down. And then at the end, it does this amazing final killing move, which completely decimates it. But one of my Favorite things is this is contextual to this boss fight. Wow! So you'll see that Sora has to jump over the Rock Titan's arm because mm-hmm. it can't, uh, he can't fit below it. It, it just takes really smart. Uh, it has a smart sense of the space of these worlds, mm-hmm. but there are other ones that you can just summon in the middle of a giant battlefield.
1: Mm-hmm. I really They're love that because
2: fireworks everywhere. Yes, yes. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I love that because it brings back. A lot of the the most insane, over the top, kind of vintage Final Fantasy summons, yeah, and and completely modernizes them with like stuff that you would catch at Disneyland.
3: Yeah, it's it sort of my favorite thing that captured me at first with Kingdom Hearts One and Two was that these games captured an essence of Disney magic that I didn't really feel games had before it, and really brought that spirit of friendship and power and all these wonderful things together in a game that also had final fantasy characters. Mm -hmm. And I feel like some of the offshoots since then haven't really captured that same sense, Mm -hmm. but at least from what I played, it feel like, 3 does, especially with the attraction flow, with the Toy Story world, which felt so true to the movies. It re- Other than, you know, a couple voices, because they can't have Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, it really felt like the world of Toy Story. Mm-hmm. It felt like revisiting old friends. Right. And, but also seeing a new aspect of the world. Uh, Galaxy Toys, the Toy Story you go to, you get to explore five, four different levels of it, and they do really cool stuff that are Easter eggs both to the movie and to other aspects of the Kingdom Hearts universe. So there is a toy stand in there that has Dissidia Final Fantasy toys, and they're all the Summons from Final Fantasy, and it's just one of the standees. is just all these toys. So it's like Odin and Bahamut are toys that you can see in the Toy Story world. That's, That's really so cool. cool. So they're doing. It seems like they're doing a lot to smartly blend the two different aspects of mm-hmm. the universe into one.
2: Are you, um, is the combat more complicated than like Kingdom Hearts one and two? Yes, it sounds like there's a lot more to
3: it. Yeah, so you have your basic uh, keyblade attacks. You have magic. You have the attraction flow. Your keyblade can transform into different. Um, different types of weapons, depending on which world you're in or which Mm -hmm. keyblade you're using. Uh, So you have those, you have the uh, team-up attacks with different enemies, both or different uh, party members, excuse me, both Donald Goofy as well as uh, world-appropriate characters. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot going on, and that's one of my concerns is that there's just so much. I don't know how much the game is actually going to make you want to use all these, or if you can just easily hack Mm -hmm. and slash your way through. There are also summons, Mm -hmm. which have been in the game before, but they're... These summons are so much prettier and feel so much more involved in the world. There's, They revealed Wreck-It Ralph as a summon, uh, and there's an aerial summon. So you can, as you, if you're watching the footage, you can see me going around with one of the transformations. So my Keyblade became a hammer, which became a drill. And they all have their own different special attacks. They all have their different, like, timed events for attacks. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And so... I can't imagine coming to this game and jumping into it and not just hacking and slashing your way through Ryan McCaffrey. Um, one of our editors also played this game for judges week E3. And he said he enjoyed it as someone who hasn't played kingdom hearts before, but he was also like, I just was attacking everything just with the Keyblade. Right. Why feel mm-hmm. the need? And obviously the demo was easier than the full yeah, game. Will sure. probably be. But that is one of my concerns is whether or not you need to use all these things or you can just go around.
2: So you're, are you working on an article of like how the battle system works?
3: Yes. So uh, we're going to do a few breakdowns on the battle system because there's just so much going on that it, you almost want just a refresher course on the things that they're integrating into the game from previous games, as well as all these new, the transformations, some of the new summons, all that stuff. We will be having that stuff up on IGN the next couple weeks. So look forward to that. I may lose sleep over it, but it'll be worth it. Uh, <laughs> Um, But yeah, there's a lot going on with this combat. But I had a lot of fun playing it, like getting Mm -hmm. used to it. And each world... God, there's so much to talk about in this game. Yeah. Sorry to everyone who's just hearing my voice for 20 minutes. Uh, You basically, in each world, will have its own sort of gimmick. In the Toy Story world, it's these giant gigas, which are these robotic toys that you're fighting. But you can also jump into them and pilot them.
2: That's right. And then
3: it becomes like a first-person mech game. What? That rules. There are three different ones. They each have their own special attack. They all can fly. So you can fly from the bottom floor of this toy store all the way to the top on them. Uh, it's a really cool integration of these ideas. I'm curious to see what the other world gimmicks will be. Uh, but these were great. There's also, again, if you're watching the footage, wreck it, Ralph is a summon.
1: Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about him. So he brings in like sensibilities and icons from the game that he's from, which is (laughs) fix it. Felix. Yes. Which is like his weird off brand kind of donkey Kong style game. Yeah. Although the actual game itself is way different. It's about, uh, Felix fixing glass and then wreck Ralph breaking Just it. Just breaks yeah. it all. You know, yeah. makes sense. Uh, and also Felix fixes the glass with a hammer, which makes even less sense. Yeah, that's not uh, how, how glass
2: a works. It's a magic hammer. And so
1: you can bring him in and then, yeah. And then you'll, do you get access to like his world? Like, will we get to see his like, his level like so
3: there's a limited amount of time you have with each summon and they all have their own attacks Ariel's, which we saw in the demo as well for example she can jump in and out of whatever surface you're on so it's very funny to see ariel diving into pavement and jumping out and attacking enemies and then she can summon a whirlwind sort of water a tornado right uh ralph can he brings building blocks in which stun enemies and then you can smash them to hurt them all we don't really see other than in at least what I played beyond their summon intro, which takes a part of their world and brings it into this world. We don't see how you get these summons. So in past Kingdom Hearts games, summons were a mix of like completing a world. For example, like you completed Agrabah in the first Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. game and then Genie became a summon for you. Right. But sometimes you just receive them for other uh, tasks that you completed and other sort of side quests things. So I don't think this necessarily says, hey, there's a Wreck-It-Ralph world or there's a Little Mermaid world. It would be weird to announce that this way. Yeah. Um, Atlantica has been in the games before and was much maligned in Kingdom Hearts 2 because it was a musical-only level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think there will be an Atlantica world. We may see some more of wreck Ralph, ralph like, I don't know how he becomes part of the game. And th- that was the one thing about the demo that I'm very curious to play more of is there was no pause menu. I didn't get to see how upgrades work, your abilities, if you can customize Sora mm-hmm. because you could customize Aqua in Kingdom Hearts 0.2. Mm-hmm a fragmentary Oh, passage. so you, tr-
1: you tried to go into the menus and stuff too? Oh
3: yeah, I, at every point in the game, I just would keep pressing pause just to see if I could maybe trick it.
1: I, I, do, yeah. that at, I yeah. do that at like every demo and people yeah. get people get very worried. Yeah. Or like I'll hit the home button and be like, what else you got on here? What other yep. games? Yeah, I um, was
3: very curious if I could find something, but there was nothing that showed me anything more about how fleshed out these things are. So the, le- the RPG aspects of the game, I still don't know about.
1: The Wreck-It Ralph world would sort of be, that'd be like if, a genie asks you for a wish, and you're like, "I want ten more wishes." Yeah, because <laughs> the Wreck-It Ralph world is effectively a hub to like Halo, oh,
3: all yeah. these other worlds. <laughs> yeah, which is why I feel like there's probably not a Wreck-It Ralph world. Yeah, maybe um, Sugar Rush. That would be really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's where most of that movie took place.
3: I could see them even doing sort of like a racing minigame based Mm -hmm. on Ralph, Mm -hmm. just to integrate in there. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure, because they've really said their focus is making these worlds really big and really fleshed out, rather than having more worlds. They'd rather have refined open worlds. Like, the Tangled World will include towns that have dozens of NPCs walking around, which is not something Kingdom Hearts has ever really done before to that scale. Yeah. Um, that So that's sort of the focus for that world. Hercules, obviously, we've seen both Mount Olympus and the mountain itself like in the Earth world version. So I'm curious to see how they keep adapting these worlds and how many worlds are left. It's sort of unclear how many more there are to reveal. So we're
2: definitely getting a frozen world, right?
3: That's what everyone th- it thinks. It has to happen. But when you have Tangled, I just don't see how the world can be that different from it, yeah. uh, is my thing. Like I'd rather frozen be saved as sort of a summon or maybe a mm-hmm. subsection of a world or something like that.
2: I, um, I feel like that property is just so huge. It would be yeah. a really big selling point to yeah. a huge demographic of young girls. Mm-hmm. that otherwise might not be interested.
3: Well, that's why we absolutely think they will probably put a Frozen World in just because of how big it is. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. deny how big it is. And they've also, one of the interesting things about 3 is that they've really been focusing on new Disney. Yeah. There's almost nothing from the classic eras of Disney in the same way that there were in older games. Mm -hmm. The the world focus has been Tangled, Big Hero 6, Mm -hmm. Toy Story is probably the oldest thing in there and obviously Toy Story is still around. Hercules. Uh, Hercules, yeah. Hercules would probably be, uh, I think that first Toy Story maybe came out earlier. Oh. Um, but both, those are the earliest things and Hercules has kind of been a core pillar of kingdom hearts mm-hmm. since the beginning. So I could see why that's still in there, but otherwise it's been such this focus on the new stuff. I'm curious how much they'll dip into the vault. Mm-hmm. This it's
1: season. interesting because you don't really see them. Like Disney doesn't necessarily publicly address Hercules often no. outside of this franchise, which
3: bums me out. Cause I love Hercules. No, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's what I think probably the one I think is the most underrated of that era. Yep. So it's, it's nice to see it. So front and center in the kingdom hearts games. Um, but yeah, we actually, a uh, few people from the group asked a couple questions. Oh, cool. Um, from facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. You can go to that URL and you will find a wonderful community of pocket of beyond listeners. Uh, they have asked some wonderful kingdom hearts questions. Do you guys, I will. want to check in on Let's some see. cases.
2: From Logan Powell, how much of a difference is there in gameplay between Kingdom Hearts 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3? I know they are graphically miles away from each other, but the gameplay seemed nearly identical except for attraction flow and keyblade changes along with the implementation of shot locks slash motion flow from birth by sleep slash 3D.
3: Any of that makes sense to you, bro? All of it, You
2: want, yeah. you want okay. to answer that one?
1: Um, <laughs> yes, m- there's much more this time around. Perfect. And Kingdom Hearts fans all over the world will enjoy... More of it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That is the exact answer I was looking for. Um, Mm. No, to answer your question, Logan, uh, it feels like an evolution of the Kingdom Hearts 2 combat. It's very much the same sensibilities of hacking with the Keyblade, and the magic is the same as it was in Kingdom Hearts 2. It's not the Kingdom Hearts 1 magic version, but it has all of these new systems on top of it, and it builds some stuff that was in Birth by Sleep, some stuff that was in Dream Drop Distance, which is the uh, motion flow, Mm -hmm. which allowed you to more easily jump around, in Dream Drop Distance, it meant you can literally just ping pong off of any surface and hop around. This one's more if you see like a shiny surface, you can run up it even if it's vertical or you can run along it horizontally, which makes for a lot of cool combat scenarios. Right. Um, again, my only big worry is just will there be enough there to incentivize you to actually use all of it mm-hmm. or can you just kind of run along the ground and attack? My hope is that it does incentivize you. And I had a lot of fun. I played through the demo about two or three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the second or third time, I really got the hang of employing all of them at once. and making It made it much more fun to be able to use everything. Um, but yeah. Did they tell you to stop? Yeah. After a while, they were like, hey, we got we to gotta let other people in here yeah. to play this game. And I was like, can I just take this home? I
2: and got kicked out of a preview event, too, before. For so playing too I understand. much? Really? Not like we were just the last ones at the Monster Hunter preview event. And they are like, okay, you got to go home. Please leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're
1: like, no, I just love this too much.
2: I yeah, can't. That seems what? on brand.
3: Uh, were there any other questions from the group that you guys feel like we didn't hit? Uh, there were a few things. Uh, one of them, Phil Mansfield brought this up. And I am curious what you both think about this. While the circles may not overlap, would it be wise for Square Enix to release KH3 before or after Red Dead Redemption 2? my caveat is do you think it matters i think square could probably release this game whenever they want to and yeah. Yeah. fans will flock to it
2: yeah they're so different been, yeah I, I really don't think it matters i don't think the people who don't like kingdom hearts 3 well for people who aren't interested in kingdom hearts already who are interested in red dead like i it doesn't matter if it comes out six months earlier after they still probably won't play kingdom hearts yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah i don't think there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna be sitting there with both games in their hands in the store and they're like weighing their options. Yeah. Although both of these games have been in development for a very, very long time and people Mm -hmm. have been waiting for both of them for a very long time. Mm -hmm. So, and there's always the thing that, you know, maybe you only have $60 and you have to pick one, but
2: the um, other one would eventually get picked up. Anyway, if you are weighing between the two, I don't think anyone would ever give one up permanently for the, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: (laughs) We've talked about it a bit in the office and I feel like kingdom hearts, is this one big variable in the fall that we don't know that could probably go anywhere and be safe. Mm-hmm. The only other game I feel like beyond red dead that could do that this fall is probably smash brothers. Yeah. So we
1: still don't have a release date for this game.
3: No. So at the event, uh, franchise director Tatsuya Nomura discussed how the date is probably coming next month. Surprise. Okay. Good. Yes. So they've, good. they've still been sticking to 2018, but they're like, we're just sort of nailing some things down, mm-hmm. buttoning it all up. But the plan is to reveal it next month, which okay. would be June. So E3? E three, mm-hmm. so it could be E three. There are a few options there. The other option is the Kingdom Hearts Orchestra tour starts the Saturday before E three, and that's where they debuted their trailer last year. Yeah. They oh, actually cool. weren't at E three; they just did the trailer at the orchestra. And so they may do that with this again because that is such an event for the fans. Yeah, mm-hmm. they may want to have that be sort of a fan yeah. event. No,
1: you know, that's, a, that's thing. That's a great soundbite.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. With that that mm-hmm.
1: hold, that whole Kingdom Hearts devoted crowd going nuts reading Yeah, Yeah.
3: Yeah. I I was at the orchestra tour last year and when the trailer, we didn't know the trailer was going to happen and then it dropped. It was a, deafening roar like we were in a beautiful concert hall for, where symphonies happen and all this beautiful music has been performed and it was just thousands of screaming fans as the music started playing in the tra- <laughs> because they live scored the trailer too.
1: That's awesome and, oh
3: really? Yeah they live scored the trailer so I feel like they don't want to miss- pass up yeah. that opportunity right.
2: no, I was right. so excited for you last year when you came back really late at night super dead tired and be like yeah Kingdom Hearts 3 got it now and so I was like oh my gosh. Yeah we were just like oh no yeah
3: the, the trailer came up and they are like hey it's still happening we promise and it was just this big whole thing last year and I was like man it probably won't get better than this and then we, I played it this past week and oh my God, I'm very tired, but it was so much fun. Uh, but yeah, so we're probably going to find out a lot more about it at E3, probably get at least one or two more trailers, mm-hmm. a world reveal. People are very excited. Uh, Casey, I know you're excited, but you also uh, feel like there may have been an issue with Kingdom Hearts that you need to address.
2: Yes. So for those of you who watched uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily last Friday... Which you should. Go check those boys out. <laughs> I um, was talking about Jonathan's preview and how... He mentioned uh, Xehanort, and I pronounced his name Zehanort. and I am really sorry. I have not played the game in more than 10 years. I did not remember how to pronounce that guy's name. And I also mentioned a like the first teaser of what I thought was Kingdom Hearts 3 had the field of Keyblades, the Keyblade Graveyard, and that was actually for Birth by Sleep. I was just recalling me, in when I was 15 years old, how I... 15-year-old me reacted when I saw that teaser at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2, and I assumed it was for Kingdom Hearts 3, and uh, that's what I remembered. I remembered my 15-year-old assumption, and I, not...
3: I, I'm shocked.
2: Uh, Casey, I wanted to take the opportunity I'm sorry. to say,
3: we've appreciated your work at IGN, uh, but... Uh, You've had a we, good run. Yes.
2: That run is gone. I'm not IGN's Kingdom Hearts expert. Jonathan Dornbushes. I apologize.
3: Well, <laughs> the fans, at least, were
1: really nice to you about it all, right? And right? I'm sure you had a wonderful weekend, and no...
3: Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, Kingdom Hearts fans. (laughs) How's it going? I'm Jonathan. I know you guys have felt that Kingdom Hearts has not had the best coverage on IGN over the years. I can't speak for its coverage before me. I would say we have tried to do our best to make this coverage great. Occasionally we mispronounce the made up names. I'm sorry. It happens. We still really like the games. We're still really looking forward to three. I think by the conversation we just had, it's hard to deny that I am very excited for this game. But Go to Thompson
2: for all of your Kingdom Hearts coverage. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you, if you want to
3: direct <laughs> any hate, direct it at me because my preview is up on IGN.com. You can watch Rory Powers' preview, uh, video preview that went alongside it. It's really great. He and I also did a conversation. You can see 10 minutes of off-screen gameplay on the site. We have a lot of Kingdom Hearts 3 coverage. We'll have more coming. If you want to get into Kingdom Hearts and are not sure where to start, Miranda Sanchez and I have a conversation about where to start with Kingdom Hearts. Spoilers, the answer is Kingdom Hearts 1. It's the first game.
2: And luckily, Good. there are a bunch of collections of all of the games available on the PS4, right? Yes, uh, PS4 about?
3: has a collection 1.5 plus 2.5, which is basically everything you need to play besides 2.8, but well, y- you can get there eventually, trust me, I promise. <laughs> uh, and then 1.5 and 2.5 are individually available on PlayStation 3. So, there's a lot of Kingdom Hearts to catch up on. I realize it's a lot. If you like the game, please continue following our coverage. If you don't, sometimes we'll mispronounce names, it happens.
1: What was it, Xanort?
3: Xehanort, yeah.
1: Is that the right way or the wrong way? Yeah, That's no, you got right? it right. Okay. Yeah, congrats. Sweet. I love the Kingdom Hearts.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if if I can stretch this, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep mm-hmm. was one of the better uh, offshoots of the games. It came out on the PlayStation Vita a few mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, it did come out physically and digitally. If it were coming out next year, it would not be able to come out physically because Sony has confirmed well, it is ending.
2: Birth by Sleep originally came on the PSP. PSP. And then it was re-released on the Vita.
3: P- no. 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 Okay. No, it's just been on PS4. You,
2: oh, okay.
3: Yeah, is the re release. It's okay. <laughs> Casey. Don't direct any <laughs> I'm hate to her. Sorry, don't. Don't do it. Uh, but Vita physical cartridge production is ending. Um, confirmed to both IGN and previously Kotaku, uh, Sony has said it is ending car production by the close of fiscal year 2018, although digital distribution of games will still continue. Sony's 2018 fiscal year ends March 31st, 2019, and game developers who want physical cartridges on Vita need to sort of put in the application for it, I think by June. Oh, wow. So yeah, uh, this sort of aspect of Vita is dying off. Um, but you can still digitally get games, Mm -hmm. games that have already been announced. Uh, Stardew Valley is finally coming to Vita on May 22nd, which I know a lot of people have been looking out for. And the Japanese release dates of Persona 5, Dancing Star Knight and Persona 3, Dancing Moon Knight have already been revealed. We're hoping to get a Western release date soon. I would hope at E3. So there are still big Vita games coming Mm -hmm. from big franchises that we love. But, yes. But How do you guys feel about this? Are
2: those Persona games coming out on any other console?
3: I want to say there are PS4 versions of some of them, but I yeah. could be wrong. Andrew, don't hate me. Yeah, Barrett, Barrett <laughs> from the control booth is saying yes, or he's just dancing along to the music. Either is fine with me. Uh, but, yeah, so those games, I believe one or two of them, one mm-hmm. of them or both of them are coming to PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are sort of the biggest games that we know coming to Vita. Obviously there will still be smaller indie titles coming yeah. to digital, but essentially do we see this as sort of like the curtain closing on Vita's bigger games. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause mm-hmm. these, I would say the persona games are probably the last big game. I was going to
1: try to sugarcoat it. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Um, that said, this system had a great run and I think this happened later than any of us thought it would because yeah. we started theorizing about stuff like this mm-hmm. two or three years ago, you know, when there was still, not a lot of hope left for this thing's life at all. And yeah, I don't like it's hard to talk about it, this I'll put it this way. I hate talking about systems like like they're dead and they're over with because we we're in that weird window with the vita right now where most of us have moved on but we haven't moved to the place where we can talk about it with great nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So sure. we're still in the window where it's like we wish it still had some life um and it doesn't But we're not really at the point yet where we're like, here's the 10 video games you have to play before you die. Or like, here's my favorite Vita memories or Mm -hmm. anything like that. We're just kind of at the point where we go, oh, it it fizzled out. Yeah. You know, which is what we see with every video game system is, I mean, even like we don't have nostalgia yet for the PS3, but it was a. Incredible console. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, right?
3: especially we, because they still keep re releasing games, yeah, games. Yeah,
1: games still come out for it and yeah. they still come and to a, PS4. A lot of yeah. PS
2: Vita games come to PS4. I know. Yeah. I, mean, I know, like, no one has played this game, but Digimon Cyber Sleuth was first came out on the PS Vita, and I was like, mm. I want to play that. Yep. And eventually it came to the PS4. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of really good games that came out on the Vita also came out on the PS4. I found Second Lives. So yeah. yeah.
1: And you look at, I don't know, you look at stuff like, if, if you've been following video games for a long time, which I assume you have if you're watching or listening to the show, you look at stuff like the Dreamcast and you look at stuff like the n sixty four which historically and statistically did not you know tear the industry down sales wise they yeah. they were not they were not the kind of things that like blew open the doors and everyone was like, I have to have these systems.
2: The 64 wasn't?
1: No, it no, wasn't. No.
3: And no. neither was the oh, GameCube. Man. I mean, the GameCube was not that big a seller, but no. boy, do I look back on that thing. Yeah. So many people of my generation do. It's that thing of so many people think of the GameCube and have amazing memories of that thing. Mm-hmm. But at the time it was like, oh yeah, the GameCube is barely selling. Yeah, the 64 mm-hmm. next to stuff
1: like the Super Nintendo and the NES and yeah. the PlayStation especially, the, those contemporaries, um, sold a, f- a fraction. And I think Nintendo was probably like, well, now what? Mm -hmm. we'll make a purse that you can put (laughs) mini discs in
2: (laughs) or you can Um, gut it and use it as a lunchbox exactly which is a great
1: (laughs) thing to do it keeps your your food nice and warm so i think with the vita it'll it'll get there i have nothing but fond memories of it i'm not angry at it i'm still mad at the pricing for memory cards yeah i'll die that way
3: i think there are a couple stumbling blocks that i i never think it would have been the huge solo that the 3ds is necessarily Mm -hmm. but i think there were a few things that could have Continued its life or given it a bit more pockets of really mm-hmm. entertained players with maybe not proprietary memory cards that yep. cost $200 yep. <laughs> to buy, things of that nature. Um, but I, like, I loved it for a few years as my little like indie machine, and mm-hmm. I still have to go back and play Persona 4 Golden on it. Like That's still the best yeah. way to play Persona 4.
1: No, mm-hmm. I, I honestly like you, the memory card thing specifically held me back from buying more games digitally. Yeah. Which I would have done a ton of. It's what I do on PS4. It's what I do on Switch. I would have bought. I would have gone on the store every single week and downloaded more games. But I always said to myself, like, do I want to delete Golden Abyss? Do I want to delete, you know, every other? Do I want to? Do I want to delete Killzone? Which is like I <laughs> genuinely feel like is one of the better um, handheld first-person shooters ever sure. made. Yeah, that's not. Saying. It's not a not high lot. bar, necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in that system. Call of Duty was not one of them. You know, sure. it was one of the worst games I've ever played. Yeah. That was an easy one to make the decision about deleting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But every, if every single week I was like, I want to add more games and I can't, and I had to go digitally, I see why some people built up a physical collection of games. Yeah. yeah. And so it bums me out to see that door close, because if you are a collector of video game systems um, and their games, physical is the way to go, because... Mm-hmm the servers don't get shut down or like save files don't get deleted, stuff like that. You can just kind of have stuff there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it bums me out to see that door close. Yeah. But in ask me again in three years and I'll like look back on it. as one of the greatest handhelds ever made.
3: Yeah. Oh, I I have such fond memories of playing like when it first came out, Lumines, I played Mm -hmm. off at infinitum forever. I played that. Dude, Lumines
1: was incredible.
3: It's so good on that system. And then things like that's how I played Guacamelee and that's how, me too. like there were, I think there were some identity crisis issues throughout the Vita's life that sort of prevented it from getting sort of a stranglehold it had Nier at the beginning which like it felt like even people at PlayStation weren't sure what Nier was doing mm-hmm. um, but it also had interesting things where like the fourth Sly Cooper I believe it was could be both on PS3 and Vita. Yeah, it was like, amazing. So they were trying really ambitious things like that or Sound Shapes was cross-play and playing mm-hmm. that on Vita on the go was amazing yep. so there were so many great opportunities but it also kept shifting what the focus of the system Remote was. Remote play was really cool. Yeah. like yeah. there
1: was. I mean, it was an incredibly ambitious its system you yeah. know and if you think about it like as the follow-up to the psp which again again i think still sort of had an identity crisis when i bought my psp it came with a umd of movie trailers mm-hmm. so right, right off the bat yeah. i was like what are you trying to get me to do on this thing
2: that's right you could buy movies for the PSP. Yeah. Yep. i forgot that yep. that was a thing umds entirely. i remember yep.
3: like blockbuster had them for a good couple months before mm-hmm. it realized it wasn't worth it yeah yeah, yeah. and those
1: yeah those yeah. things those things died hand in hand. <laughs>
3: yeah. U- UMDs are a good meme, but other than that, they're not worth
1: yep, much. Exactly. Yet.
3: But it's obviously, yeah, the Vita is still continuing. I think Stardew Valley will probably give it a nice bit of life oh, yeah. uh, in the that's coming a,
1: weeks. Per, if you look at people playing that game on Switch, that's yeah. like a, that is a, perfect, it is a perfect thing to have that on a handheld with yes. such a great screen.
3: Yeah, I, I tried playing it on a console and I enjoyed it, but then I played it on Switch. I'm like, oh, this is how I need to be yeah. playing this game. It's yeah. such a difference. So I'm sure that'll do well for Vita. We'll, of course, have our three-hour-long extravaganza with Andrew Gold far on persona 5 and persona 3 dancing when those come (laughs) out Mm -hmm. whenever they do uh so look forward to that those are a while away a few other games are a while away though uh ubisoft right their recent earnings report hinted and gave us a better idea more clarity of what's on the way for them uh one of those is that the division 2 will be released by april 2019's end so the end of their fiscal year Mm -hmm. uh by the end of april next year maybe a little sooner than i thought i mean i think it's smart for that game not to be coming out in the fall um, but I'm curious how we'll do it. I think the first one came out in the spring again and i and it did very well at the time. Did
1: I, did I read um, a few days ago that the division and far cry five were like two of the most successful launches in ubisoft history i believe so something what's, along those lines right? what's
3: crazy is i think it was the year the division came out i remember the ubisoft earnings report it, it was the year assassin's creed didn't come out and they said they still had a record year even without assassin's creed thanks to right. things like the division and stuff like that and it did so well so they're really building up these very strong pillars just really cool because that yeah.
1: was a it was a new ip at the time yeah and i think people just really latched onto it I, it was like the kind of game where i played it for a while and then i dipped out but i had friends that like kind of pop up their head every now and then and be like, Hey man, you still playing the division? I was like, no. And they're Mm -hmm. like, oh man, I have like 900 hours in that game. Like,
3: that's awesome. It seems to have really rewarded people who stuck with it because it, it did sort of after launch have this lull where it dipped yep. down, but they've continued to update, update that game, including like these big updates that just changed what the nature of the game was in yeah. the post game. And it really, I think, brought players back and kept those who were already ingrained in it really dedicated to that franchise. And so I imagine The Division 2 is probably going to do pretty well, yeah. especially if you can find sort of an open space in the spring. But
1: this unannounced franchise title.
3: Yeah, so that was another thing that came up in the report is that there is in addition to what we know ubisoft has there is an unannounced franchise title on the way i believe within the next fiscal year it's supposed to come out Uh, obviously we know already that the crew two and the division two are coming out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, but that leaves another mystery game and what do you both think that game might be
2: i know so i was corrected uh recently i said don't they ubisoft generally comes out with an assassin's creed game almost every year Mm -hmm. i mean
3: They were up until a
2: point. Yeah, up until a point. They
1: took one year off out of the last 13
3: years or
2: something. Okay, so, I mean... So I don't know who corrected you, but... That's what I immediately assumed is that it would be another Assassin's Creed game. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, totally. I think that's a totally viable option. They've they've said they're going to really focus support on Origins, Mm -hmm. uh, which has been doing very well, and they've continued to support that with post-launch content. Yeah, And interestingly, almost treated it like a multiplayer game, Mm -hmm. but it's a single-player thing, and they... Ubisoft is really focused on games as a service, live service games, and so they found smart ways of integrating that into these single-player ambitious titles as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try to continue capitalizing on that with a new Assassin's Creed. I don't know what setting they might do, right? but uh, like, that's always the big thing is where is it going to go. But it seems crazy not to, after the success that Origins had, both critically and commercially, to not continue to ride that train. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other option that immediately comes to mind to me is Splinter Cell. Really? Yeah, just because it, you know, it was in the that Walmart leak, which whether or not you want to say that's credible or not, that's beside the point. There have been all these I little hints. Miss that? There have been all these little hints that Splinter Cell is coming back. There's been mm-hmm. a lot
1: of Sam Fisher's.
3: Yeah, he appeared in uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands mm-hmm. and some DLC. There have just been all these little teases that they have not forgotten about Splinter Cell. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so. My my kind of like pie in the sky options for this one would be number one a watch that's set in modern day new york city. That would be cuz cool. that would be awesome. Yeah. Um although it's weird because that's where the the vision is, although it's like a little post apocalyptic post um yeah. which is this is totally different cuz this is you'd be flying drones and all this other stuff. Um but number two and I don't see this happening at all is um a sequel to rayman legends.
3: That would be amazing.
1: Like basically a hand drawn. We saw that Yubi art um stuff happening for a minute there with yeah. uh
3: with Child, uh, Child of, of Light, Light. Yeah.
1: and Rayman, and then the third one.
3: The World War One Valiant Hearts. Valiant Hearts, yes. Yeah, which we loved like,
1: those games. Yeah, and they're such gorgeous games. Yeah. And I think for a while there we thought that a lot of people were going to use that engine. I saw this GDC panel a couple years back where the artists working on Rayman Legends talked about how quickly they can hand draw something. And drop it into that game and they drew like this weird testicle monster <laughs> in like an iPad <laughs> and then dropped it into the game and animated it within seconds and it was hopping around. Um, and Michelle Ancel is busy with Beyond Good and Evil and Wild, wherever the hell that Where game that, is. Yeah. Who knows? Remember oh, that one?
3: Yeah. yeah. That's that. a Ubi game?
1: I don't know was that I forget
3: a, where that's exactly mixed up. I think it was check, a UB game. Yeah. yeah, I swore it was, maybe we're wrong, but yeah. I think it was revealed at a PlayStation conference. Yeah, I, that's mm-hmm. what I remember then, it as yeah.
2: and I, it looked really cool and I really want to play it.
3: Yeah, so I'm I'm curious at least in terms of franchise title, Rayman makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I personally it wouldn't be a PlayStation game, but Mario Plus Rabbids sequel would be great, but they have that Donkey Kong DLC coming, so Right. My right, my right. guess is it's not that. I I think sort of the major pillars that they just haven't released in mm-hmm. a little while. Another game I would kill to have is is a sequel to Prince of Persia, the 2008 one oh, dude, yeah. with that beautiful art. Yep. I know some people criticized the gameplay of it being a little too easy. It felt like it was just, you just pushed the button and he continued along, but it was so beautiful and it was so satisfying to me to climb in that game and to mm-hmm. see the art unfold.
1: It sucks that the last thing we've gotten from that franchise is the movie. Yeah. Like uh, that's such a weird note to leave on. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like Assassin's Creed, we got a not great Assassin's Creed movie and then, we got the brand new game, which like totally took that bad taste about out of yeah. our mouths. But we haven't had that with Prince of Persia. That's been dormant for so long. There were there was rumors all the time about that franchise coming yep. back. Um, in fact, when we first saw leaks of Assassin's Creed Egypt, effect, effectively Origins, we thought that was a Prince of Persia game, mm-hmm. um, and then got corrected. Aww. But it sucks. It should it, it was should come back. It's a great franchise. It really There's was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. It's been around for forever. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, it's like it's one of those things where if you if you went back ten years. It just seemed like we would always be getting those games Mm -hmm. and then they just stopped. you know, same with Splinter Cell like they just stopped and they went from annual franchise titles to just something that we don't see at all
2: anymore.
3: And I don't know. I kind of miss them.
2: I guess did Assassin's Creed maybe just overtake them.
3: Maybe. It, in a sense, stole so much from there. I mean, it has yeah. become this big thing mm-hmm. that I could see the overlap, them not wanting to confuse yeah. consumers who may not be dialed into the franchise because Assassin's Creed is such a mainstream franchise for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see them not wanting to split the waters with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are definitely a few options with all the leaks of Splinter Cell, or at least hints at it. That's where my feeling is, but Assassin's Creed I totally see as a possibility. Hopefully we'll find out at E3. I yeah. feel like yeah. that's a good place to announce a game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Occasionally <laughs> people announce games then. Uh, there will probably be so many more game announcements in the coming weeks. There's so much to do, but if we could take a pause for a moment and answer some questions from our lovely listeners and sure. viewers. Uh, Brian, I picked these questions, so I don't feel uh, right in calling it Rapid Fire. Oh no, please do.
1: But welcome yeah.
3: to a segment of Rapid Fire.
1: Rapid <laughs> Fire is a it's a it's like um it's a place of, of mind, basically. It's oh, not it, a, It's not a physical property. It's, it's like Asgard. Yeah, it's a it, feeling.
3: It's a people, not a place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Rapid fire is a people, not a place. Uh, yes, we, I pulled these questions from facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. So if you want to ask questions there, you can, as well mm-hmm. as beyond at IGN.com is also where you can send in questions. The first is from Yair Donin. Uh, What's up, Yair? How are you I love doing this
1: dude. He's a good guy.
3: Yes. Uh, he asks, now that science has managed to erase the memories of a snail... If you could have your memories of game, any game erased, which one would you choose? Hold
1: on. So science has managed to erase okay. the memories of a... Snake? Apparently.
3: I didn't do research on this. Yeah, that so that may didn't. be a lie.
1: <laughs> That's a real thing? That wow. may just
3: be a great segue. I
1: got to read more like science, like the IGN of science, whoever yeah. that, whoever that is.
3: IGN.com slash science.
2: I do I don't think there's a really good there. answer for this. The game's called Time and Eternity, and it was published by NIS, and it was an anime game. It seemed really cool. It had a female heroine and... The main character gets turned into a chippy dragon and you see everything with his point of view. And uh, it's like it was written by like a 12 year old boy Mm -hmm. and you try to answer questions to see these girls in questionable situations. But then when you actually get it, the screen is just black. Uh, (laughs) The assets are just used repeatedly it was bad i i reviewed the game and i gave it such a bad score it did not get published in the magazine just like this was not worth putting in the magazine it got a two huh so wow Wow.
3: So see, I took this question like a game. different way, but I do like that answer. I took it as... <laughs> I don't
2: want to remember it anymore. I took it
3: as, like, what could you have your memories erased of so you could experience it again for right. the first time oh. like, Do you have no, either just... version? Do you have one better?
1: I mean... You're like, just get this out of the I, I kind of like Casey's angle better now. Yeah, <laughs> I think of, like, one of the worst games I've ever played that, like, I wish... Like, it's so weird because with digital games now, I, I don't feel... Like, I, I feel like I can play a game for 10 minutes and then hate it and then delete it. And then she's you know, gone. Especially with stuff that like I'll get through like PlayStation Plus that didn't technically cost me anything. Yeah. Um God, that's really hard. What's a game I wish
2: I would like to re experience Shadow of the Colossus again. Uh, okay. Yeah.
1: Great news. You I can. I know. But <laughs> just, I
2: already know the solution. You know what's gonna happen puzzles, yeah. So. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say something like Link to the Past, obviously. Sure. Yeah. In yeah. in terms of that being one of the best games ever. Not I'm not gonna be like that guy. It's like Link to the Past is one of the worst games I've ever played. And I just want to erase it, my it from my memory. <laughs> no, I'd love to play that one again. Yeah. Like, and just, I don't know, experience the surprise of getting the master sword for the first time. Yeah. Or like that tragic story about that flute boy who turns into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, it's really dark. Yeah, That's a good one.
3: It's a different game than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. If I had never heard of it with your memories of race. That's how <laughs> it would sound. Uh, yeah, for me, it's also as a, I would want to re-experience wind waker for the first time, taking it, the question that way, I, I, Wind Waker holds up still for me as my personal favorite Zelda. Um, and just, I spent so many hours as a kid just sailing around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. E- exploring that and zoning out and using that as like a nice, calm, quiet place. And being able to do that again have that game as my go-to and be surprised that like, oh, I can just sail. And it's nice. Yeah. And, calm, and occasionally a fist jumps out and tells you, hey, there's treasure down here. <laughs> and then you keep going. Um, I loved that game and I loved a lot of what it did with Zelda lore and how it sort of made it important in a really unique way. Uh, and I just love that art style. Yep. So... That's one I would love to experience again. But uh, another PlayStation-related question. Uh, Gareth Mason asked, do you think Guerrilla Games will ever go back to the Killzone franchise?
1: Never say never, but I don't see them leaving Horizon for a very long time. Yeah. No. They impact that game had on the industry mm-hmm. and PlayStation fans, and I think that studio in general is wildly successful. It also, um, I think, created a very definitive identity for mm-hmm. them that, um, no offense to Killzone, just that franchise did not do that. Like that was, um, I won't call it soulless or anything as bleak as that, but I will say that it, it just, it didn't really have an identity like the way Horizon does. Mm-hmm. Horizon was like, you know, it kit bashed a bunch of the best things in the world, which mm-hmm. is like awesome open world games and hunting and dinosaurs and robots. Like it was
2: amazing. It was amazing. That yeah. game was awesome. It was that so was cool. I've been revisiting the games last year. Yeah.
3: It's so fun. And
1: mm-hmm. so I, I see them, I see them telling new stories in that world um, maybe moving the market or somewhere else in the, in, in, on that planet or going, uh, far into the future or in the past or who knows, who knows, there's so much more to explore mm-hmm. there. And I think the, the hunting, crafting robot dinosaur fighting stuff is infinitely more interesting than just like another, another shooter.
3: It's such a good move. Yeah. 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 I feel like it creatively, uh, strained that studio in a way they hadn't been before, but in in a great way. Like they mm-hmm. seemed to really pursue it and want to build out this brand new world and this character that they all loved. Uh, they showed some early concepts and footage of it at GDC this year. And sort of the idea of Aloy was there from the beginning, though things evolved with the dinosaur hunting and all of that. And mm. just knowing clearly how beholden they are sort of to that franchise and also how well it did. Yeah. Right now, Horizon is the obvious place to go to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also think just on a... A studio note, I would assume seeing how studios act, like they like to creatively move on to new projects and test out new ideas, And Mm -hmm. something like Insomniac. They went back to Ratchet. uh, There was a unique opportunity to, but you don't see them going back to Ratchet for five games now or for Resistance. You don't see them going back to Spyro in the same way. So I think as a a studio moves on, they continue to find something that works. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't see why they would go back anytime soon.
1: I think um, Horizon as a franchise tests their uh their ability to sort of conquer the 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 technical specs of a console as well i mean the like it really got let them flex their creativity in terms of like i don't know like playing the, the frozen wild stuff where you step on snow and it leaves a footprint mm-hmm. like in like a game every video game that has snow is like oh you can leave footprints and you're like oh that's nice this game like felt that i spent like 10 minutes just running around in the snow like <laughs> like a kid. Um, and I think that's something that they're really good at doing. And I think, I don't know, you can't even really see your feet in most kills. In the game. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think they're going to, they're going to go with this for a while. It's going to, especially on the PlayStation five, PlayStation six, just whatever those things look like. Sure.
3: Yeah. Last but not least kind of funny Joey Noel asks on a scale hey. of one to 10, how badly do you want to see a sequel to the Disney channel original movie, AKA a decom brink? Joey knows what kind of audience she is asking this question to, because I love Brink. Not as much as Holes. No, no. Holes but that's is not a better film. It's not a decom though. Is it not? No, that was released in theaters. What? Yeah. Yeah. Holes was a theatrically released Shia LaBeouf starring film. God, you're right. Yeah. Brink, meanwhile, is the decom classic about uh, inline skating, racing, mm-hmm. uh, and the hard, tough nature that comes with it, and the friendships that are tested.
2: I mean, I definitely want to see a motocross sequel before yeah. I saw a Brink sequel. I want to see where that girl went with her motocross career.
3: Probably did well, I would assume. I think she did okay.
2: Yeah, she yeah. probably did
3: okay. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would happily take if they tried to revive. Br- Disney's been really interested in reviving things. Mm-hmm. I hope they revive Brink. Make it a video game too, just to tie it back to the show we're actually on. Sure, Beyond, which is about video games. I'm down with that. Yeah, I would take an inline skating game, Brink too. That feels back like, to the Brink.
1: Speaking of things we haven't gotten in a very long time, that's the thing we don't really see much of anymore: extreme sports games, extreme sports games, inline yeah. skating video games.
3: Yeah,
2: um, aren't aren't we getting one this year?
3: An extreme sports game?
2: Yeah. What about the, isn't the crew? This, like
3: kind of somewhat to the, or are you, there's also steep. which It okay. was probably yeah. the closest thing we had to it, mm-hmm. but the stalwarts that were like Tony Hawk and the mm, SSX yeah, franchise, yeah, yeah. we mm. don't really see those as much anymore. And they SSX tried reviving tricky. SSX. Tricky is so good. Yeah. Uh, look game. forward to a retrospective on Tricky at some point. We'll do that. <laughs> uh, anyway, you make all these promises. You better. You have to I know. I've, I've established so many shows on this show. <laughs> you don't need to sleep. It's a big problem. No, it's fine. I'll I'll film all these tonight at two yep. a.m. Uh, Brian, Casey. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me on this Thank episode. you. This thank was you for great. Thank yes. uh, This is Beyond Episode 544. Obviously, if you're watching on IGN.com, thank you for watching there. We are also on so many other platforms. You may be watching on YouTube.com slash IGN Beyond. Uh, if you are watching there, please subscribe, and uh, you will be able to get a notification every time there is a new episode. So be sure to do that. You may also be listening on iTunes, Stitcher, other podcast services around the world. Please rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate it. It helps so much tremendously to get the word out or just tell a friend, just tell a friend you love the mm-hmm. show. And that's how I found it. A friend.
1: That's true. Tell a friend.
2: We're all yes. friends here. Uh,
3: of course, you can also find us, you can find us on IGN.com. You can also find us on Twitter. Brian, where can people find you? I'm at agent Bizzle. and Casey, where can people find you?
2: I'm at shiny KCD. and I am
3: at JM Dornbush. That is beyond episode 544. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm sorry for all the kingdom hearts. There will be more. <laughs> Don't apologize. Never apologize. For apologize. <laughs> Beyond.
2: Beyond. Beyond. Brink.